Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Outsports Podcast. This is a Jim Bazinski from Los Angeles going solo today, although we'll have a couple of guests on in a second. Um, Sid is away uh, referee training somewhere in Houston. Um, and we're going to be talking today about homophobia in American sports. And one of our co-hosts is on. Let me plug him in. Hello? Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? This is Scott Cooper. And I believe we're joined by Eric. Yes. Hey, it succeeded. All right. Well, um, <laughs> as I said, the podcast is sponsored by AT&T, Mobilizing Your World. Um, I'm going not really solo. We have a three-way today. It's I'm on with Scott Cooper and Eric Lucian. Both played college football. Scott at Augsburg College in Minnesota and Eric for the Cornhuskers of Nebraska. Um, so welcome, guys. Um, hopefully you'll be more entertaining than Sid normally is, so he's not going to listen to this <laughs> anyway, so we can rip him. <laughs> yeah, that won't be hard. Well, we're, all three of us are going to be out in Portland in a month uh, for the Gay and Lesbian Sports Conference. It's Scott's and Eric's first time. Are you guys all excited about going? Yeah, very excited. Cool. Yeah, it'll be a blast. Uh, one of the fun perks is normally they give us a Nike employee a discount card, and you get half off in the employee store. So, gonna have to stock up. <laughs> I'll start asking, all, telling all your suitcase. friends and relatives to get their orders in. Yeah, uh, I'll just bring an empty suitcase for myself. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, before we get to our main topic, I want to talk about something that's been big in the uh, world of sports in the NFL. The New England Patriots hold the flake gate the punishment came down that's going to be appealed. Uh, Tom Brady getting four games is also going to be a fine and uh, a loss of some draft picks, and he's expected to file his appeal by tomorrow. I was wanting to get, uh, your, as former football players, what are your guys' take on the whole thing? Scott? Um, well, I'm going to be biased because I absolutely hate the Patriots. Um, <laughs> sorry, Sid. I just despise them. So, um, I do think it's fair. I do think it's a little weird, though, that the NFL is punishing them more for deflating a ball versus, like, Ray Rice or beating his wife. Um, you know, let's be a little bit more consistent there. Um, but, you know, the Patriots have had a kind of a history of not always playing fair by the rules. So, it's kind of nice to see them get a punishment. But like I said, I'm very biased. <laughs> well... I mean, I'm not completely against Patriots. I don't love them or hate them. I'm kind of indifferent. So, um, But I do agree with um, Scott on the whole. Seeing that sort of um, fine and the suspension um, be hammered down when, you know, there's the whole Ray Rice and other, other things that don't get as big of a penalty, which is kind of strange to me. Yeah, I kind of look at it as, as separate issues. I mean, um I, of course, hate the Patriots. Uh, I thought the fine and the, the draft picks were a bit odd because they did not find Belichick, the coach, had anything to do with this or the organization. So I thought that was a bit weird that if you exonerate them, you then basically punish the organization. I thought the fine for Brady was appropriate. Um, I had said it should be four games. It could be knocked down to two. 
on appeal. But I mean, you know, to me, if you're not going to, if you're going to have rules against cheating and you cheat, and he, I think he clearly cheated, you can't simply give him a slap on the wrist, especially when players are getting four games for smoking pot. Um, right. Yeah. You know, and so I think I think I could agree with part of the punishment, not all of the punishment. But uh, it's interesting the Patriots' defense they issued a, a rebuttal today, and the one equipment guy called themselves the def- called himself the deflator, which was probably the most damning thing in the text. And the Patriots' reason, have you guys heard this? The reason he called himself the deflator because he was fat and was trying to lose weight, and that was his inside joke. So if you buy this, oh, I have wow. a bridge in Brooklyn. I could sell you. <laughs> oh Lord. So, uh, <laughs> so that'll be an ongoing story. So, uh, too bad Sid's not here to offer a stirring defense and uh, whatever oh, about that. But let's move on. Oh, I'm sure we'll read about it on Facebook. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll do. We'll, we'll have a we'll have a beer in Portland and and hash it all out. Oh yeah. Um, let's go on to what I have you guys on for. There was a one of the largest surveys ever of LGB. People in sports. They didn't do transgender because that's uh, doesn't deal with sexual orientation. Lesbian, gay, bi. Over 9,500 people. Sue Rankin at Penn State is one of the people who's been spearheading the conference um, for a couple of years, along with Pat Griffin. Had a lot to do with it. And they interviewed 9,500 people in the U.S., <clears throat> U.K., Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and Ireland, and came away with conclusions that 80% of people. Experienced homophobia in sports. Um, 27% of the gay men received verbal threats. 35% have been bullied. Um, and 65% believe that an openly gay or bi- lesbian bisexual person will not be safe as a spectator. Um, so basically, it was kind of a bummer of a report. Now, it's not a scientific paper in the sense that it hasn't been peer reviewed. So it's not like you can extrapolate this and say that that all the things are factual. Um, 538, for example, the ESPN site um, looked broke down some of the stuff and said that you know um, these results should be treated as estimates um, rather than a definitive number of gay athletes. So with those caveats in in mind, why don't you have you guys talk about the landscape of gays? Uh, lesbians and bisexual people in sports, how they relate to your experiences? Do you think things have gotten better and what's still to be done? So you guys start it off and we'll get going from there. Okay. I, I do um, think the um, the report was, was pretty interesting. I mean, I do think there is definitely that fear of LGB people in sports to, um, I don't know, be open. I think it's changing for sure, especially since, um, you know, over a decade ago when I played at Nebraska, I think it's definitely changing you know, with more and more um, LGB athletes are um, having the courage to live openly in authentic lives. Um, but I do think that fear is perpetuated throughout um, athletics. And I don't think it's necessarily just by the, the youth. I think a lot of that comes from, you know, the powers that be, the coaches, um, the people leading the organization. Um, I think that, you know, the coaches, first and foremost, set the tone for the environment of their athletes, and if, you know, if they make it known right away that, you know, anti-LGBT slurs are, you know, not going to be tolerated, I mean, that's a big step right there. So I think it first and foremost starts, the environment, creating a welcoming environment starts with the coaches and, you know, heads of the organization. And then from there, I think the athletes. Um, however, 
the younger generation of athletes tend to be much more accepting of LGBT people and really anyone. Um, and you see that even outside of athletics. But I do think a lot of the fear that these athletes have isn't just stemming from um, athletics. It's also stemming from society. And, I mean, there's stats out there, too, that show that um, LGBT youth are two times more likely to be assaulted, um, you know, four times more likely to commit suicide. So there's that fear that LGBT people have in general, I think. Um, and from being, I guess, seeing some... Um, some people go through difficult times. I think they, they um, in themselves, kind of fear somewhat that they may be, um, have backlash towards them or be mistreated. So I think it kind of stems not just from athletics, but from society in general. But I do think, though, the study, as Sid really hit in um, the outport piece, or outsports piece, was that you know it didn't really show the study didn't show how accepting the sports world is after, you know, LGBT athletes do come out. Because in, in my own experience, you know, you come out um, to your team and, yeah, you may have some some people with some reservations and, and stuff, but as they get to know you, they realize you're human too and you're just like them, you're an athlete, and they start to no longer judge you by your sexuality and start to judge, you know, for your athleticism and your character and morals and values and things that really truly matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree. I took kind of a, some of the same thoughts away um, from the report, um, and had some other thoughts too. Um, you know, Eric made a great point about society playing a big factor in all this, um, and that's you know I think that's a lot of reason why many younger gay athletes aren't coming out. Um, I felt like the I, I agree with ESPN where the numbers probably aren't super, like, precise, um, probably more of a of a guesstimate. Um, like, the one number I was really kind of focused on was people who had heard their form of um, not feeling accepted in sports. I, I forget how they put it, but it was um, basically hearing gay slurs. Um, you know, 73% or so students had um, been, have heard gay slurs over their time. Um, and I wonder how much of that, you know, were those athletes, was it directed at them or is it just, you know, teammates saying, oh, that's gay or just, you know, calling each other faggots, stuff like that, like typical high school straightways do. Um, you know, so it'd be interesting to kind of delve into that more and see what exactly, you know, is going on with that. Um, the The interesting point two from the graph that I took away was um, how many people are playing sports as adults, but if you notice a lot of it is just not interest. Um, so, you know, and Eric's made a good point too about, you know, where's the numbers about how about when people come out because we've had nothing, I don't want to say nothing, but mostly good stories about people coming out and not having any issues once they're out. So, it was definitely an interesting report to read and be like, okay, you know, we don't I inherently don't want to believe that the entire sports world is is completely homophobic, like especially in this day and age. But you know, obviously there is going to be some. I think. Well, what also what I, let me let me say, Eric for a second. Okay. Um, that the one thing that did strike me was that a lot of this was perception. They they were afraid yeah. that this would happen, 
And what's interesting is we've had, well, two stories this week, a high school wrestler and a high school runner. And the themes, well, and you guys, the same thing, the themes are all the same. I was afraid I would be rejected, ostracized, punished, whatever, if I came out. And then when the people actually come out, all of a sudden people are falling all over themselves, apologizing if they said anything that offended right. you. And so a lot of this, it's from the study, it seems that this is what people are afraid of. And yet when they actually sort of cross the line and do the coming out, all those fears vanish. And I'm, I'm curious how, I assume that's how your guys' experiences went in, at both both of your teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It It wasn't, you know, and I was, I was, Never really in the closet to my team is more just, you know, I talk about it. But, yeah, once I was just like, yeah, this is me. If you haven't, haven't noticed it yet, you know, let's talk about this. Um, you know, it was totally fine. Um, I think there's just this insecurity, and you can't really grasp that insecurity. And like you said, exactly, it's a perception. Um and yeah, you know, once once you come out and you're everyone just knows you for you rather than just being a gay athlete, it's a totally different story. Yeah, I mean my um situation was I would say it was a yes and a little bit of a no. I'd say majority of people, vast majority of people, um um eventually at least my whole entire team accepted me. Um coaches, the majority of them accepted me in the end. But, you know, there were still some some coaches that never, I think, fully accepted me. Um, and I do know also fans and other things like that. And so I think a lot of people, um, LGBT athletes, fear because of those select few people out there. You know, um, somehow they're they're given power over, over them, and that's what's consuming their thoughts. When in reality, it's much more better. And like for myself, um, for example, it was much more better for me to be open and be honest um, because not only for me, I mean, my, um, I as an athlete was performing better once I was open. And so that was great. But then at the same time, you know, you're, you're changing the hearts and minds of a lot of people, um, especially teammates or people that may have never even um, met a, a gay athlete. So, I mean, there's, there's more to it than just, you know, where you're actually kind of creating change by being open and honest. Do you, do you think, though, that, um, again, it's the idea that you'll hear a slur, you'll hear someone call somebody a fag or that's gay, and so you make the worst assumption about them, when in reality that may be, not to excuse them, just the way they've sort of been raised to talk and they don't really mean it. Yeah, I think I, for, just hearing it makes, people, you yeah. think, makes you think twice about coming out. Yeah, uh, yeah I think I, for I, sure I, hearing a gay yeah. slur is going to kind of drive you a little bit more in the closet because it makes you uneasy. You know, it makes you kind of feel like, well, I think they may be accepting of me, but I'm not quite sure. So it might be easiest for me not to come out just by hearing a gay slur. However, I, you know, I agree, um, Jim, with you about some of those people may have just been raised that way. And that is, you know, a common word they use in their vocabulary. However, you know, in my experience and experience of many LGBT athletes who have come out to their team, those gay slurs drastically decline or completely stop after you come out because they start to, you know, realize, oh, I could be hurting their feelings and I don't really want to, and they become very apologetic. Yeah. I I had a similar, I had that experience where, you know, I would hear gay slurs and it's not like it, 
it scared me. I never felt threatened because of it. I just took it as they don't know what other words to use, and or they're just used to saying them. I mean, I said them when I was in high school, and it wasn't it wasn't a self-loathing thing. It was just because we're we were backcountry hicks, and that's all we knew what to say. You know, that was our favorite slur. Um, so it, there wasn't that meaning of hatred behind it toward me. It was just uneducated. Um, so like when I came when I teammates learned I was gay like Eric said that stuff stopped and then we went through it again with incoming freshmen my senior year where they're saying stuff like oh that's so gay or that's like that and I would just jump on their throat right away or someone else on my team would do it and that ends right away like all it takes is just education and that's why it is important for people to come out because it gives people that frame of mind that oh that's not okay you know it's just as it's not okay to drop the n-word around my black teammates you know it's it's just as bad to you know say faggot or anything like that so you know they need that education and once they get it it was funny it was not a big deal well but i thought eric hit a point that is important and that's institutionally what do administrators coaches um and sort of management sort of half what big role they play, because if the atmosphere on your team is or your school is such that you don't think you're going to be sort of welcome or accepted, that has a lot to do with the idea of, well, I don't think I can come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, like, with each athlete individually, if they have that fear, they need to go to their coach one-on-one. Like, it doesn't need to be bring everyone in the room at once and announce it to the whole team, including this coaching staff. Like, if you are a gay athlete and caught up the dead and you're thinking about this, like, you need to go to a coach. I was very lucky. I had an awesome um, assistant coach who was also our kind of our team chaplain who I went to right at the beginning of camp my first year. And I told him, because I had been hearing gay slurs, and I was like, you know, it, it's not horrible, but, you know, I'm kind of sick of hearing this because I'm gay. And he was 100% supportive and wanted to talk to our head coach and everything. Um, so I knew he had my back. And he went to the head coach. The head coach was like, yeah, it's not a big deal. I, I've known, like, for the last nine months. Get over it. <laughs> so he's like, it's not a big deal. Um, he's like, "He's like, you have it on your Facebook. You know, be smarter. I was like, oh, we're fine. Um, but, you know, if athletes have that fear, go see if it's supportive. You need to kind of test the waters a little bit. I'd say, um, you know, and get somebody on your team. Luckily, I had an awesome coaching staff that was like, yeah, if anyone says anything, we will beat the shit out of them. So you know, don't don't worry yeah. about it. So, yeah, test the water. I mean, I do think it also, I mean, the college, the atmosphere of the college or the university and the state you live in, how conservative or liberal it is, does play a part as well. Yeah, um, Because absolutely. in that environment, I mean, I know, speaking from my experience, in Nebraska, um, we're still the state is quite quite a bit behind the times um, when it comes to equality and LGBT rights. And so I do know, like at some universities there, um, especially some of the Christian um, universities, I have a feeling a lot of the athletes would feel a lot, would have a lot more fear of coming out and being ostracized or being mistreated or discriminated against versus being at a big bigger liberal university. Um, whereas, like, myself, I went to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, you know, Cornhuskers, and it's a very large university. It's in Lincoln, and Lincoln and Omaha and Nebraska are the two liberal hubs of the state. Um, However, I mean, the Catholic contingency in Lincoln, Nebraska, is one of the most conservative, if not the most conservative in the entire world. 
and they have a large um, presence on campus. So the environment still to this day is very conservative, although it is quite liberal as well. And so my experience um, was I did have some administrators, um, some some coaches on the team that used um, anti-gay slurs. And that right there, I mean, even though I was I came in openly gay, um, that was hard for me to be around just because I'm like, well, this is what I'm hearing from the coaches, and I'm trying to earn, you know, the starting position here. Um, and then also kind of create an environment at first where it seemed more okay for the athletes then to say that. However, as the guys started to get to know me, you know, things started to change. Those gay slurs stopped, um, at least from the athletes, and I hardly heard any from the coaches. Um, I think probably because um, the head coach probably had a talk with them or something. Behind the scenes, I don't know, that's all conjecture um, on my part, but, you know, things do change when you come out for the better. Well, were you guys surprised by the the numbers, you know, 73% believe you team sports are not safe, um, you know, 81% of gay youth are partially in the closet, um, a lot of stayed in the closet because they feared discrimination. The, the, the size of the numbers in this survey surprise you? Um, a little bit, yeah. Um, and I think Honestly, like I'm, I will say I'm super glad they did a study, and I think it was very supportive. But I think also too some of the numbers were mildly misleading. Um, like for instance, about kids not feeling comfortable coming out in sports. I think kids in that are in theater should say the same thing that they're not comfortable coming out because they're kids. Like they're not, they're not ready to come out yet. Um, you know, and they're of course they have fear. They're they're young. They don't really know yet. Um, but I think we're we're starting to already see more and more high school kids come out, and it's not a big deal. Um, so I think the the numbers have more behind them than what just the survey says. Yeah, I think this was a overall like a first, um, a good first study. But you know, now that this first study is done, we need to dive deeper into it. And I mean, it'd be interesting, like I said, um, with the universities, like kind of have a demographic sort of more so of, you know, where in the country was it rural um, or urban Mm -hmm. where, you know, these um, people who took part in this survey, where are they from, you know, because that I think does have a play on how they're going to to respond as well. So I think I would feel, um, and, you know, the way I'm thinking about it is if someone, the people in the urban environment are going to be a lot more thinking, oh, it's more accepted, um, just because usually more urban environments are more liberal. Um, so that's my, my feeling on it. Yes, I thought the numbers were a little shocking, but at the same time, not so much. I don't know. I, I again, think it's um, kind of, you know, an estimate, and these numbers could be lowered, but they could be higher. I mean, as a scientist myself, I do know um, kind of how studies like this work, and, um, yes, it wasn't peer-reviewed, but, you know, as a scientist and being part of peer-reviewed journal stuff, um, you can't always, I guess, buy in too much to, oh, it was peer-reviewed. Because sometimes it can just be, oh, you know someone and they know the person who did the study and so you just want them, you know, to get their paper accepted. But I do think the numbers were kind of jarring about, like, the 73% of, was it, um, 
people think youth sports isn't safe for people to come out. Um, that was kind of shocking just because, to me, because I feel like the youth um, in this day and age are so much more accepting of LGBT people, and they're coming out at a much um, younger age. I mean, just last week I met a young kid who's 15 here in Chicago. Um, I spoke at the Spirituality Center actually about LGBT sports and my experience, and he came up to me afterwards and talked to him, and he had been out since he was 10. I was just, I was amazed. I'm like, someone came out at the age of 10? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the times are definitely changing, but this was a definitely, definitely a needed study because it does show, I mean, whether it's perception or not, it does show that LGBT people have fear, you know, and that fear mm-hmm. is very real. And we need to do things to create an environment that, you know, the fear is no longer there or, um, you know, isn't really um, necessary. Right. I, oh, so let, me ask, both, let one... me ask both of you, um, what would you, in the couple of minutes we have left, you probably have talked to other gay athletes who are either closeted or not yet publicly out. What do you advise them to do when they say, how do I come out? Scott? Um, my first thing I always say to them is don't let anyone tell you when to come out. You have to be you have to be ready, and you you know you need to be emotionally stable. You need to be ready for yourself. Um, but I always tell them, you know, talk, start small. Tell one person, tell two people, tell your inner circle, and just let it spread from there. You know, it doesn't need to be uh, you know auditorium full of people. But really, when you tell the first person. Each time you tell someone, it will get easier, it will get better, and you will feel that release start to spread as more people know and as more people tell you that they love you because of it. Um, so that's usually always my advice to them. And I say don't, also don't let it affect negatively your athletics. You know, don't let it define who you are as an athlete. Be an athlete and just be an athlete. Don't, you don't have to define yourself as a lot of the gay athlete. No, you are you, and you are a gay athlete. Or, excuse me, you are you. You're an athlete who just happens to be gay. Eric? Yeah, I, um, Scott answered that, like, spot on. I agree with, you know, you have to come out when you are ready. You know, don't let anyone say, okay, now's the time. Like, if a coach or a parent or someone you confide in with, um, you know, your sexuality says, oh, well, I don't feel like this is the right time, don't listen to them. You you will know when it's the right time. And as Scott said, you know, can talk to someone, you know, the first person you tell, you know, your best friend on the team or something, most likely they're going to have no issue with it. They're your best friend. They're your teammate. They're your brother or sister. And they're going to love and accept you. And just that is going to, you know, start the snowball effect, and it's going to be easier and easier for you to come out. And I always share with um, other closeted LGBT athletes, um, that, you know, it does really get better. And, you know, kind of when you're, when you are closeted, it's kind of like um, you're kind of benching yourself. Because a lot of the times, all that worry and anxiety affects your playing time, affects your happiness. And in the end, you want to be happy. You want to, you know, be able to compete at the top of your game. And, you know, just do it when you are ready, when, you know, um, when it feels right. Because, and I, I like to, get on the, the positives of coming out and how, you know, you see people change. And some people that 
you know, probably which will shock you that you think are the most homophobic or whatever really aren't. And they'll love and accept you and realize, you know, you can play just like them. And you're human. So, so yeah. Well, I, just that's, uh, that's, a great, that's a great way to end this. We're running out of time. Um, Eric, you want to sing the Nebraska fight song to get us off? Or? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I'd probably uh, well, it. listen, there'll be a lot more talked about this. Uh, we'll be talking a lot about this in Portland, and we'll be seeing both of you guys in about a month. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I can't wait. It'll be like a big old family reunion. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait. You get to meet a lot of people. You've only seen maybe stories on, online and stuff. You get to meet them in person. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, that's all the time we have for now. Uh, our our podcast sponsored by AT&T, Mobilizing Your World. If I can get the music going, we'll bid you adieu. So Sid will be back next week with me. Maybe we'll get, get his stirring rebuttal of uh, Deflategate. So until then, Jeez. we'll talk to you later. <laughs> all right, thanks. Thanks.